Inhale. Exhale. <sighs> or maybe it's more like Lamaze breathing in your household this week. Whew. I think that's how it goes. Tequila shots? Screaming into a fluffy pillow? What's been your remedy to get through this extraordinary week in United States politics? In the words of former Democratic strategist James Carville, I have put the razor blades in the ambient away, but what a week. It does look like Joe Biden will win the election when all is said and done, as I thought he would in last week's episode. Today, we'll discuss the 2020 election results, what happened in some down-ballot races, and how do the parties move forward from here? Because looking at these results, there are some big lessons, big flashing red lights for both parties. All of that and more, so stay tuned. Welcome back to Pop Into Politics, episode 22, Deep Breaths. That's what we're going to call this episode, Deep Breaths. It seems timely. This is Kobe here. Uh, I hope everyone has been well. Thank you, everyone, for listening. If you like what you've been hearing, please subscribe on your favorite platform and rate me. You also can check out my website, popintopolitics.com, leave a comment, read some of my blog posts on other topics I may not have the opportunity to delve into here. Also, if you like to tickle the keyboard, tickle, 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 feel free to write a review on your favorite platform. So before we get to the meat and potatoes of the episode, we have to do housekeeping because America is still filthy, filthy. Her front porch hasn't been swept. The girl hasn't done her dishes. There's long festering problems being swept under the rug. Girl, we need to clean up this house. So let's get to housekeeping. America, girl, you know your house ain't been right. Now get it together. Yes, housekeeping, baby. Get out that broom. So there are two main things I want to discuss today. And the first one is going to be counting. Counting. One, two, three. Uno, dos, tres. The president of the United States is trying to stop the count of votes, which are legal. Although he seems to be confused about exactly how he wants to stop the votes. Like count there, but not there, but only there on Sundays, but only there in that county. One vote. Ah, ah, ah. Two votes. Ah, ah, ah. Three votes. Ah, ah, ah. We're a democracy. We count votes. That's the whole point. Hopefully faster than Nevada, which is counting them on a count von count sort of <laughs> speed. But I'm not going to pick on Nevada. Shout out to all the poll workers and everyone who participates in this process, by the way, in making our elections run. I have some friends who actually participated in this election cycle here in New York, and it is not necessarily an easy process. It's long days. And so we really owe a thanks to those people. But anyway, slightly off topic there. But voting and then counting the votes is kind of like the entire point of our democratic system. And let's just say that there are irregularities and that there are voter fraud or issues of voter fraud that we need to deal with. That can't be addressed properly until you actually have all the votes tallied and accounted for so you know what actually was so-called fraudulent. So this all is nonsensical. It's not surprising that the president or the soon-to-be lame duck president would be kind of going out, if you will, being nonsensical and irrational and raging and doing more damage to our system. But yeah, doesn't make sense. So 
You got to get the votes counted, Donald, and other people who think like Donald before you actually can then say, hey, these are the ballots that are wrong or the ones that don't have a signature or the ones that were late outside of the jurisdiction of state law, whatever you want to call it. So we're going to have to go through this process with these people. But yeah, it doesn't make much sense. And it looks like things will work out the way that they should. One thing that I think is also important for people to keep in mind is that states do recounts. There will be recounts with this, obviously, in Georgia, Wisconsin, some of it just because of the margins. It's automatic in certain states. So we're going to have to endure more of this for the next couple of weeks. I mentioned in last week's episode that, look, ideally, we could have everything done in a day and know where we would we would stand. But I also remember saying this could be weeks, a week, weeks, hopefully no longer than that. But it's clearly going to be stuff fighting about this for weeks. The good news is in our constitutional system, by noon on January the 20th, 2021, all of that needs to be rectified. And so I suspect it'll be rectified in Biden's favor because it's just kind of blatantly obvious. But going back to recounts, this is not like the Florida 2000 recount issue. And so people need to not conflate these issues. Florida, George W. Bush at the time was up in the vote tally by around 540 something votes, I believe, no more than 600. But in that range, which of course in the presidential election, when it came down to one state, that was incredibly important. And President Bush uh, and the legal team wanted the recount to stop. And I believe they stopped it around like December the 8th. And also just knowing some of that back end things that need to happen you start getting to December 8th, you're getting closer to dates where you need to certify your electors and other things that happened after the fact. That was just different. What's happening here with Donald is that Donald, in certain cases, wants hundreds of thousands of votes to not count in defiance of state law, which doesn't really make a lot of sense. And the courts really aren't going to go for that. And again, because it's like, well, it's fraud, it's fraud, it's the Democrats. It's like, well, Georgia's a Republican governor, Republican Secretary of State, Arizona's a Republican governor. Yes, you have Democratic governors in Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania, but you have Republican state legislatures, which have set these rules. The legal theory, I'm putting that in quotes because it's more like legal nonsense, but it's just kind of all over the place. So it's going to be messy to listen to this for the next couple of weeks and annoying and it's going to be dragged out. But ultimately, everyone kind of knows how this is going to end. Number two, I want to talk about in housekeeping, and I just kind of alluded to it, is that the process really shouldn't be like this, specifically in three states, three of them being Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, and Michigan. And I'm actually doing this recording on Saturday, and we still don't have network calls for these states as I'm doing this. But Pennsylvania, which is a state that normally does not have this mail-in ballot situation, especially to this degree, this is because of the pandemic, and the governor did ask the Republican legislature, state legislature, hey, why don't we start counting these ballots since they're coming in weeks and weeks before the election? Let's start counting them so we know what's going on with them. Florida did that, which is why Florida was able to be called on the same <laughs> the same night. Why don't we try that, right, to make this a little better? And the Republicans said no. And they said no because there's optics to this. So everyone knew that Donald Trump supporters would come out in person and 
you know, so those initial tallies would look like the Trump administration was winning when meanwhile people know there's millions of ballots sitting around that haven't been counted and can't be counted actually until election day or after election day. So everyone just needs to know that. The other thing that I think is funny, and again, it goes back to this weird sort of undercurrent of race in the country, even if no one wants to say it out loud, the president seems to be only fixated for the most part on fraud in democratic strongholds with large communities of color. So this is Philadelphia County. Apparently, Joe Biden can't win there by margins of 70, 80%, even 90%. But if you go to some of the red counties in Pennsylvania, where Donald Trump is winning by 76%, 80% margins in those counties, no one thinks that that's fraud. Joe Biden, the Democrats, their lawyers are not going in and saying, well, wait a minute, it's impossible for you to get that particular margin. The same thing in Michigan. We don't like what's going on in Wayne County. It's nonsense. In Georgia, we don't like what's going on in Metro Atlanta and its suburbs around it. So that's interesting to me that there's a race element there too. It's always, apparently the fraud only occurs in communities of color, but that's a topic for another day. The other thing that again is important to remember, it's not as though people did not know that this was going to happen, especially in Pennsylvania. Weeks and weeks ago, my 14th episode was called The Vaccination Against Election Misinformation. And in that episode, just kind of talking about what happens if votes are not all tallied on November uh, 3rd, what's the process between November 3rd to actually officially having a president-elect, and then ultimately that transfer of power on January the 20th. So uh, people know what's happening here and how things are supposed to work. And they are working as they should, even if it's slow. Like Nevada, Nevada, child. Nevada said to everybody, everybody, listen, it's five o'clock. It's five o'clock. I've got a roast in the oven. My man's at home waiting for me. Like we can't be bothered that y'all in the other 40 something states are waiting for us to have an answer. Listen, need to get my nails done. Need a new wig. Nevada is busy. She said she's booked. She's busy. She's going to take her own time. And child, y'all going to just have to wait until we, we get it together. But that brings me to point number three in housekeeping, which is federalism federalism at work. So I know that this, and I've talked about this in multiple episodes, I think I touched on it a little bit last week. In our system, the states and the people of the states decide who gets to be president, and the states get to certify who wins an election. And that power is not centralized in the national government or the federal government. The states have control and power on how to run elections, their deadlines, what happens with recounts, what type of ballots they send out or don't send out, who gets them. And as annoying as all these processes may seem, it really, thank God, does not centralize power in Washington, D.C. Because if power was centralized in Washington, D.C. at this moment with this president, he would be reelected and would be back in that office. Bill Barr would be deciding what's happening in these states, applying tremendous pressure on these states to have a specific outcome in a very authoritarian sort of way, which the founders, of course, were always concerned about that. Again, I don't think we've ever had to witness to this degree with a president. Certainly not think. I know that we haven't to this degree. But as frustrating as it is that Nevada's over there seasoning her roast and Pennsylvania seems like it's counting ballots, decades worth of ballots, 
The process is working the way it should. And the lawsuits that are going to come, let the lawsuits come. It's going to be an annoying and bumpy number of weeks, but it does look like Joe Biden will be president-elect. By the time I release this episode for Monday, Pennsylvania, Georgia, Arizona, Nevada, maybe one of those states will be called. Okay, so let's get to the episode. So I wonder how much alcohol was consumed this week by Democrats. Hell, even some Republicans during last, yeah, last week was something. I actually did not over imbibe. I did not over imbibe. But that brings me to a pop into politics tradition, cocktails. What is my cocktail of the day? I'm actually having coffee, people. I'm recording this this morning while it's quiet in my New York City apartment before people decide to have a parade above me. I don't know why people always like to be loud, but we do have to honor traditions, just like the peaceful transfer of power, honoring traditions. So my consumption of alcohol, well, I'm going to mention the so-called consumption of alcohol. I'm going to envision that I'm drinking uh, a gin and tonic or something. But hopefully when other people are listening to this, they can have a cocktail for me, a cocktail for the fact that we made it through the week. So raise your glass. Next week, I will make sure I have my booze. Even if it's in the morning, I might have to just... Don't judge me. I can have morning booze. I can make brunch in my own apartment and have a cocktail. Anyway, get your cocktail of the day since I am not having one at the moment. Yeah, let's talk about the week. I know that there's disappointment, especially on the left and with progressives, that this election wasn't a blowout on November the 3rd. And I want to go back to last week's episode where I did mention that I think my exact language was, I thought that Joe would pull the election out and that he might win one state in the South. And it looks like he might in Georgia. I think I had said it would be either Florida, Georgia, maybe North Carolina. It looks like it's going to be Georgia and that he would get to 270, which if he wins Georgia and he wins Pennsylvania, which it looks like he will, he will be well over 270. I think he'll be able to hold on to Arizona. But that's actually a pretty good outcome. I think the Biden campaign, Joe Biden himself needs a little credit for understanding that the easiest way to get back into the White House was to rebuild that phrase we keep hearing about, the Democratic blue wall, that stronghold of Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, and Michigan, which it seems like he has done. Uh, And that's a good thing, right? And in terms of some of these other states where we're looking at trends like Georgia, becoming more blue. Texas, which he did not pull out. I I know there were polls that said he'd pull that out and people, but I mentioned last, again, last episode that Texas is still Texas, but the Democrats are making inroads. They have a ground campaign, a ground game out there. And let's see what happens in 2024, especially with demographic shifts. So Joe Biden did what he needed to do. And Joe Biden's clearly going to win the popular vote. But we have a system, an electoral college, um, and I'm going to talk about that a little later, but we have an electoral college. You need to get to 270, and you need to get to 270 with different states. And for Democrats, there are a number of states that are not inherently blue that you need to win to get there, or the demographics in those states are shifting. And so you need to be able to speak to those demographics and to win. And that's what he did. My phone also blew up for people being really discouraged and upset that, well, look, it looks like 69 million people or more uh, voted for Trump. And what does that say about these 69 million people? So are they misogynistic? They're racist or homophobic. They don't care about coronavirus. They're stupid. They're a laundry list of things and et cetera. I'm here in New York City and have been in New York now for well over 10 years. And so sometimes I have to remind myself about what my sensibilities are as opposed to people in 
other parts of this very large and diverse country. I do not personally believe that 69 million people are those things that we said, or that people are saying that they're, well, because they voted for Trump, that it then has to mean that they are all the bad things, the bad list, we'll call it, of things that people are not supposed to be. So yes, I don't know whether that makes those people those things. I think that people have issues and things that matter to them. Of course, there are people within that Trump, not cohort, being too scientific there, uh, that Trump group that might be racist or homophobic or misogynistic, doesn't care about the coronavirus. Perhaps. Sure. Could we just write those people off and use that famous Hillary Clinton comment about a basket of deplorables? Sure. We could do that. Do I think that that's healthy and best for the nation at large? No. Do I think that when you actually look at some of the data and you think about, we'll call them the Obama-Trump counties, people who in parts of Pennsylvania where people voted for Obama twice, same thing in Wisconsin, same thing in Michigan, Obama winning the state of Iowa in 2008 by like six, between six and nine points, and then those people turning and voting for Trump, those neighborhoods, those places, counties did not become less white, especially someplace like Iowa, for instance, that's not exactly what's going on. And so you can't just throw the race issue, which there is an issue, and there is an undercurrent to it pretty much in everything in American life and our politics. But it isn't just that. There's something else going on. And I do think some of it's economic. I think some of it's education. I think some of it is a sense of we don't need the government to do X, to tell us fill in the blank. There are other things going on there. And to me, if the Democrats want to win or they want to win by larger margins, they should look into those things because, yeah, what the popular vote might say, Joe Biden's going to win the popular vote more than Hillary Clinton did, maybe by more than 4 million votes, is not how you become president of the United States. So I think the Biden campaign did what it needed to do understood where they needed to focus on some of the other Democratic candidates who ran against him in the primaries, some of which I had, I started this entire podcast with my first episode being about Joe Biden and how Joe Biden was not my personal first choice. And that's not because I thought Joe Biden was stupid or a bad man or any of those things. There were just people in terms of my political sensibilities who spoke to me more. But I think what we're learning about this country uh, especially after this election as well, is that I don't know if the United States and the citizenry are a center-left country or a progressive country in the way that someone like myself as a New Yorker or Representative Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez or Bernie Sanders or these people who would have you believe. Because if it were, something would be different electorally, because the message of the Democratic Party, for the most part, has been those messages, at least Lately. Yeah. If I were in charge of the Democratic Party and doing kind of an autopsy, it's great that you won the presidency, but it doesn't look like you're going to do as well in the Senate. And you didn't do so well in the House. You held the House, but didn't do so well. So what messaging, what things didn't work? And I'll be talking about that more in future episodes because it's going to be important. But Joe pretty much did what I thought he would, which makes me happy. 
Now let's talk about the Senate. Just said that Democrats didn't do as well. It's kind of a mixed bag for them. And in this, some of my predictions or thoughts were off. So let me talk about what I got right. I had said that Martha McSally in Arizona would lose her seat, and she is. She has lost her seat. They don't want her. They don't want poor Martha. Bubba, get the U-Haul. They don't want her. They don't want her. So Martha's going to be packing her bags and going back to Arizona. Cory Gardner in Colorado. I said that he would lose which he has. Uh, and the same thing, poor Corey, they said, we don't want you. They don't want you. Sending him home. He had been tap dancing around the issues, specifically as it related to health care for too long. Gene Kelly, Fred Astaire, Ginger Rogers, dance on air. They said, go home. The voters said, no man, no ma'am, no ma'am. Although he is a man, but I'm going to say no ma'am, no ma'am. Bubba, where's the U-Haul? And Corey's on his way home. Gary Peters, the Democrat in Michigan, who had a tight race, tighter than I would have liked it to have been seen, but he did pull it out against John James, the Black Republican senator who I can't look. All Black people don't have to be Democrats. They don't. That's not fair to expect that they would. That's just not how things work. But I personally don't always understand that. But at either rate, fortunately for the nation in terms of holding Senate seats. And for the folks of Michigan, John James did not win. Now I have to get to these two folks. And I was right about them. Later Graham, later Graham. And as much as they may be loathed, I did say that both Lindsey Graham, later Graham and Mitch McConnell would win re-election, and they did. And so I heard from Lindsey, and he said, I do declare I was one of the tightest, tightest races in my career, tighter than a glistening pool ball in a Speedo with an ass like two hard globes, a running back booty. I say, I declare that's how hard the race was. I had to go out and beg for money like a papa on Fox News. Oh, Lord, I was relieved when I learned of my win. I went back home and fixed myself a mint julep and sat on the porch. And now I'm thinking about ways I can screw the American people over for six more years. Lindsay won. <laughs> Lindsay won. Shouldn't it be shocking to people that Lindsey Graham won his, his seat, as disappointing as it is to Democrats? Lindsey Graham is a senator from South Carolina. This is South Carolina that... Just in terms of history, it's South Carolina that helps us get into the Civil War with the first shot. It's South Carolina that had Strom Thurmond, Strom Thurmond as its a segregationist loving senator all the way up into the late 90s, maybe even into the new millennium. I have to check exactly when Strom Thurmond died. And then we find out the Strom Thurmond, of course, even though he was a lifelong lover of segregation, but he did have some black children, of course. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Lindsey Graham replaces uh, Senator Strom Thurmond in the Senate. But Lindsey is back there. It should not be surprising. I think it is important for people to understand there was all this money pumped into that race and there will be a lot of talk about some of the races that the Democrats decided to put dollars towards. People don't like Mitch McConnell. Mitch McConnell has won his seat. This will be his sixth or seventh re-election this time against Amy McGrath. And of course, Amy lost. And these people didn't lose in a small way. The good thing I will say about the Graham race against Harrison, you've got some boots on the ground, some infrastructure that you have built within the state of South Carolina, right? States don't always stay Republican or Democrat. 
They can change, but you do have to put the work in. Someone has to go down there and put the work in. And Jamie Harrison certainly did that in South Carolina. There's state house elections. There are local elections in South Carolina. And look, who knows what the country will be like in six years. But I, just looking at the data, thinking about the state, the history of the state, did not see Lindsey Graham losing his seat especially all the shenanigans he did with Amy Kona Barrett. We have to just put her in there in case something gets to the Supreme Court and see if maybe, maybe they can steal the election for Joe Biden. Or away from Joe Biden, I should say. Although I can't say that publicly, that's exactly what we want to do. But that's what we want to do. Although they will not be able to do that, I don't think. And then, of course, Mitch, who is the devil, right? I mean, no one really likes Mitch McConnell, I guess, in the rest of the country. But look, in Kentucky... They clearly do. Kentucky is red, 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 like uncooked bloody steak red. That's how red the state is. It's red, people. It's red. I had even donated some money to Amy McGrath, an earlier point in the process, because I just thought, God lovers, if there's a chance. But when it came to it at the end of last week, you can kind of just see the writing on the wall. That just isn't going to happen. So all of that I had kind of mentioned correctly. Now, what I got wrong what I got wrong? Two big ones that I got wrong. Mm-mm, Senator Collins in Maine was able to shake her way. Basically say nothing and everything all at the same time to everyone. Make everybody happy. Susan Collins is going to be going back to the Senate to duck questions, dodge responsibility, pretend that she has some sort of moral fiber and then vote with the Republicans for all sorts of dastardly and heinous, heinous bills for another six years, Susan Brett Kavanaugh. Oh, Jesus Lord, I was hoping, I I was hoping that someone would get the Apollo cane. Showtime at the Apollo, pull her right off the stage. With that cane that they use at the Apollo here in New York. Pull her off the stage. It did not happen. Susan will be holding her seat in Maine. And then, of course, there is Cal Cunningham, who was running against Tom Tillis in North Carolina. That race has not officially been called. It's too tight still, at least as of Saturday. But it doesn't look like Cal Cunningham is going to win that election. And I thought he might. Maybe I was wrong. Maybe the voters didn't like his version of hide the sausage as much as I thought they would. Maybe they did say you're hiding too much sausage, Cal. Too much sausage. Too many text messages to the ladies. Too many text messages to the ladies. How are you going to be doing the work if you're hiding the sausage? So Cal Cunningham doesn't look like Cal's going to pull that out. And so we have to still deal with Tom Tillis, who's also been ducking and ducking and diving around corners to make sure he's not seen with any difficult questions when you support someone like Donald Trump. So that is all disappointing. And again, the Democrats, if I were in charge of the party, I'd be asking myself, did I spend money in the proper races? What were my messages? And if I think about messages in general, it was about coronavirus, it was about Black Lives Matter. You've got some folks running in certain places as democratic socialists. It's about the Green New Deal. There are things that are kind of out there in the ether that might not be helping you in these swingy states, these swingy districts, as we call them, that are not reliably, reliably blue, like New York State or California or Maryland, you know, Baltimore and the suburbs outside of Washington, D.C. I mean, Illinois with Chicago. We're going to have to figure out ways to win in other places besides um, these reliably blue states, especially if we want to win by larger margins. And then I have to get to the runoffs, the runoffs in Georgia. Oh, Georgia, 
I got Georgia on my mind. It's a song of you, Georgia. Georgia on my mind. Ashley, my friend Ashley, leave me alone. I've only sung, I think, once in this episode. I think that was the only time I sang. Okay, it looks like both of those races will be going to runoffs. So Ralphiel Warnock, who is the pastor running against Kelly Loeffler. Kelly Loeffler, I don't know that that says Hollywood tape. What? The president's talked about grabbing pussies? I missed that. I was on Earth too when that happened. I don't know. What? I like everything the president did. That's not possible. I think he actually could beat her. I do. Yeah, I do think he could beat her. I think she's just really that bad. David Perdue, every time I say his name, I think of Perdue Chicken. David Perdue, who's the Republican incumbent, will be running against John Ossoff, who I just think is so cute. I just want him to win because he's cute. He looks like he was born in my lifetime, supposed to when television sets were still in black and white. I would just say... (laughs) I would like, yeah, I would like him to win because of that. No, I'm kidding. I would like him to win because David Perdue is terrible, but I don't think he's going to beat David Perdue in this runoff. Well, I mean, we'll see. We'll see what happens there. Those two seats would be key for the Democrats actually still having an opportunity to win the Senate. And so when we're done with all of this nonsense with the president and the presidential election, we should be prepared to see the focus shift to Georgia. But I am skeptical that both of those seats will go to a Democrat. But again, stranger things have happened. Looking at the presidential results, we can see that Georgia is reverting back to some blueness, right? Again, Mr. President, Georgia was not always red. Oh, and as I am recording this, all that those pots and pans and racket that you're hearing in the background here in New York is because the President Donald... I'm sorry, Joe Biden has been called president-elect. <laughs> so because my phone is blowing up with texts and calls, my phone's on silent. So if you hear all of that racket in the background, that is happiness here in New York City about the president-elect Joe Biden. So I don't know if anyone heard all the car horns and pop banging, but that, yeah, that happened while I was recording. So Joe Biden has won. <laughs> This normally doesn't happen this way in real time when I'm doing these. But Joe Biden is president-elect of the United States. So that is great news. Pennsylvania has come in. Uh, and I'm assuming it looks like Georgia as well. Georgia! I was just talking about Georgia. So I'm going to just say, I'm going to continue doing this recording, folks. But here in New York, people are very, very happy. There's car hunking and pot banging and... Yeah, we we don't like Donald Trump here in New York. We don't want him. We don't want him coming back here to Fifth Avenue and Trump Tower. Go home. We'll go back to Florida since that's your new home. We don't want him here in New York. So, well, yeah. So, okay. Joe Biden is president-elect of the United States, which is exciting. Thank Jesus. Thank the Lord. I mentioned the runoffs in Georgia. Where do the parties go from here? And now I'm going to change this a little bit in real time. The legal process, obviously. Joe Biden, the Biden campaign, the team clearly was aware and prepared for a long time that (laughs) Donald Trump couldn't win this on the merits, right? I mean, again, I've said in past episodes, what record are you running on when 230,000, more than 230,000 people are dead and we have all these issues around race and the economy is a mess because of your handling of the coronavirus. They are not separate issues, although it is clear there is a segment of the American population that sees them as separate. Speaking about that earlier point I made about the 69 million people and why they 
maybe voted for Trump, that making a vote based on the economy solely in their minds. He's a businessman. He's a good businessman, even though we know that's not true. But people do think those sorts of things. The other thing that the Democrats are going to need to think about and deal with, especially now that Joe will be president, is he's got a party to manage. He's got a left flank, people who are more maybe liberal, more progressive than he is, the middle. And obviously, there clearly needs to be some healing here in the United States. And coming together, how does he reach out to Republicans, this 69 million person group of folks who support him, who support him, who still support him, and whether that's because they've been lied to, whether because there are very specific things that they have ideas about, whether it be taxation, regulation, if it's Second Amendment issues, if they don't maybe like this healthcare idea of Medicare for all that the party's been shifting towards when it's clear that that isn't what most of the country wants, clearly, or at least in the states that you need to win under our system electorally. So the party's going to have to think about those things. I mean, that's going to be a, a balancing act for Joe Biden that I don't envy the position that he's in. Which brings me to the Electoral College. I know that the funky little system and a lot of Americans want it to go away and for us to get rid of it. And everyone needs to understand, and I'm bringing this up for a reason, but everyone needs to understand that it isn't going anywhere. It's not going to go anywhere. We need a constitutional amendment to change it. And there's two ways that you can do that. They could start the process of trying to have an amendment in the Senate. And you would need two thirds of the senators. So that's 67. That does not, that's not going to happen. We don't do anything with 67 senators generally anymore, all in agreement. So that's probably not going to happen, especially something as controversial as that. Obviously, there are states that in the Republican Party, clearly, if they just went based on the popular vote, considering that the Democrats have won six out of the last seven presidential elections in the popular vote, that means that you wouldn't have a Republican president. So that means that Republicans are not going to agree to that in the Congress. And in terms of Congress, you need two-thirds from the Senate, you need two-thirds from the House. And so in the House, two-thirds, I believe, is about 290 votes. Nancy Pelosi does not have a 290-person majority and probably won't anytime soon for some time. But you would need both those things if it's coming from the Congress. If it's the states... You need two-thirds of the states, so that's 34, 34 states to basically open an application to do this. And you would need three-fourths of the states to actually go ahead and ratify it. So that's 38 states. I'm not always the best with math, so I've got my little notes, people. If I'm off by a number or two, forgive me. But that's generally what would need to happen. And so 38 states are not going to amend the Constitution to do this because the Electoral College benefits some states, some populations. And people need to understand that the Electoral College is not static. It can change, i.e., look, Georgia just flipped. So now all of a sudden you've got a state that is benefiting Democrats again. Texas is moving blue. One day that will benefit Democrats. So that's not going to happen. But understanding that that's not going to happen, once you let that go, if I were a Democrat, I would then say, well, I have to continue to expand my tent, expand my tent outside of uh, certain regions where we're overrepresented in, such as California, right? It's great. You got 55 electoral votes in the state of California and you've got a Democratic bastion. Ugh, but California doesn't get you there alone. You need some of these states that Joe Biden's candidacy, and he's not going to get the credit that he deserves for this, but was able to take back. 
So what does that tent look like? What is that message? And then I would think about what have we been talking about? And we've had people talking about Medicare for all. We've had people talking about socialism. We're talking about issues related to race. We're talking about healthcare. We talked about the coronavirus, which, and you might be listening at home thinking, well, of course those things are important. And of course you talked about the coronavirus, but did that resonate with people in the right way? Perhaps not. So that's a longer discussion, but those things need to be answered. And then if I were Republican, I would need to look at the popular vote. And I would look in that other statistic I just said that, look, Democrats have won the popular vote in six out of the seven last elections. And that number continues to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And you're losing people in the suburbs. Uh, You're losing white women in the suburbs specifically. Still winning them, but you're losing them. You're losing white people with college degrees. You obviously have big problems with minorities. And at some point, this will be a one way or the other, a minority majority country. How do you speak to those people? Because your tent is small too, more spread out geographically, more spread out in terms of areas that are important in electoral college, but a shrinking tent nonetheless. Democrats have a tent that is growing and expanding, but in very specific places that don't always help them in the electoral college. And so both parties would need to figure that out. I was not prepared for Joe Biden to win while I was actually doing this this Saturday. I had anticipated that he would, but this is great news. If there was some racket in this episode that I might not be able to take out, have it edited out, know that it was for a good reason and forgive me. I'm going to end this episode again with coronavirus updates. I think with this week, we've been really busy here um, in the United States, but our infection rates have been going well above 100,000 people a day, which is a grim milestone and something that we need to deal with and address. It is not going to go away. We cannot wish hope and pray it away. We need policy. We need to change in behavior. And hopefully with Joe Biden, we'll have a president who at least can speak to the horror of the country kind of willfully allowing this level of death, misery, and suffering. And we can begin to make some adjustments. With that, I have to get off this podcast because my phone's blowing up and I want to talk to people. Thank you all at home for listening. Way to go, Joe Biden. We have more work to do. So these next couple episodes, I really just kind of want to talk about what should his agenda be? What can we begin to do to tie this country back together to actually look like the United States and as we historically look at it as a functioning, rational democracy that we could be proud of? So with that, good vibes to you all. And I will be back next week. Thank you, everyone, for listening. I'll be back every Monday with new episodes. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe or follow me. You can find me on Apple, Spotify, Google, Alexa, wherever you prefer to find your podcasts. You can also follow my Instagram at Pop Into Politics. Until next time, sending good vibes and well wishes to you all. Thanks for listening.